If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. If you are listening to this podcast thinking, I want transformational change in my life and I am ready to make 2023 my best year yet, then I have the perfect program coming up for you in January that is going to help you tap in to your inner millionaires. Now, I know January is a long time away, so no worries. I've got a lot of fun things lined up until then, including an exclusive private podcast that is only by invite. And if you want to get into that and get all of the other manifestation goodies that come along with it, go ahead and text VIP to 844-921-0323 and stay tuned. I will send you the link to this private podcast and you're going to get a ton of really cool stuff along with it. Now let's dive into the show. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I am joined by Dr. Tara Brandner, who works as a doctorate, family nurse practitioner, and fertility coach. Tara, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you. We've been talking for a long time off and on, and it's like so much has happened with both of us and just in the world in general. And, um, Last time we talked, I was like, I need you on podcasts. Like we, we've got to just lay it all out there and talk about your perspective as a doctor as well with manifestation and intuition. So uh, I just want to talk about, about all the things with you, but um, why don't we start out just kind of giving everyone a little bit of background on who you are and what's been going on the last few years? Yeah. So I've been in the healthcare setting for over a decade. Um, I'm almost sitting my 10 years as a nurse practitioner. Um, but I was looking for what's so great about us connecting was I found you when I was trying to find some self-care techniques and some things. I was feeling so stuck uh, in my healthcare profession, I guess you could say. I just I always used to say I'm so much more than this little black desk because my desk was like black where I was currently working and like little. And I just felt something inside. I mean, I didn't know what it was and I couldn't explain it at the time, but I was just like, oh, I'm such a go-getter and I understand that. And I'm really active and we'll get to all of that. But like, there's just something more. And I, I didn't, I just didn't know what that feeling was. And so um, I, of course, had some financial goals and I ran across your money manifestation. And then I got more into the vision board side of life and all of that. And I was like, okay, I don't know, you know, if this is going to go anywhere, if this stuff actually works, what's it going to hurt? Right. And so um, my husband at the time did, he called it woo woo all the time, like believed in none of it. And I was like, well, I'll just keep it down in my office where he won't see it. 
And so I guess you could say some of this kind of begins, um, as you stated, I am a fertility coach, uh, brought about six years ago, we went through our own fertility journey and I was super quiet about it. I told nobody, I went through some really hard times at my job when I was going through that, uh, with opening it up and having to be gone and missing work and just kind of the dynamic of call. I did ER call and hospital coverage, and it was really hard to be away from work. And when you go through infertility, there's a lot of unknowns and a lot of last minute that happens. And so um, there was just sometimes and sometime I just, I didn't want to share. I don't want to share about it. I live in a very small community, um, which I know you have in common. You understand that too. Too many people know too much about you. And so I just struggled to open up about our miscarriage and about treatment and things like that until one day I was just like, I'm done hiding this. And it was one of the most like empowering moments of my journey was when I had just kind of shared about it publicly, to be honest. I was like, I am sick of people like me assuming they're talking about me or my work kind of, I mean, I was met with some very harsh comments at my job that I will not forget. Um, and so, and it was people's own perceptions. It was the religious views brought into it. And it was just a really hard time when I had this disease. Infertility is a disease. So fast forward, we ended up um, having to do uh, IVF and it didn't end there. Uh, when I was 32 weeks pregnant, I had a bleed and I had to get life flighted out. And so that caused more work problems. I was officially out of work at 32 weeks unexpectedly. Um, I had to live away from my home, which is, I had to be near my doctor, which is 120 miles away. I live in rural North Dakota. And so she didn't let me go home for good reason, but I struggled a lot with that. And I found myself just mentally and physically in this position of like, I'm just not well, like, I don't know how to deal with this. It doesn't make sense. What is going on? Um, and then, of course, I got to go home for about two weeks. I was I was away for four weeks, um, close to my doctor. I got to come home for two weeks before my water broke at 39 weeks. And thankfully, everything ended up being okay. It was a small placental rupture that resolved on its own, but there was just so much trauma, 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 trauma that was kind of happening. And I was disregarding. I was like, well, this I'm fine, right? Like I'm fine. Baby's fine. We're all fine. Just keep pushing through, like put your head down and keep pushing through kind of mindset. And, um, it wasn't until, so then, okay. I had this whole plan in my head, right? Like I'm just, I'm going to do natural birth and this is just, something's going to go right. Insert an emergency C-section. And so it was just like, nothing was like panning out. Once again, I'm telling myself, I'm healthy, baby's healthy, this is fine. And I was holding our son at six weeks in the rocking chair. And I was like, what did we just go through? I'm like, first of all, looking back at the disease of infertility and the no insurance coverage and just the confusion that lies within treatment of this disease was so overwhelming that I, I knew something needed to be done. And ironically, um, this is kind of a cool timing thing, not cool timing thing, but it made me feel like 
this was a first sign of what if this is your purpose? So the day I had our miscarriage, this was about a year prior to going through infertility treatment. On the day I was actually physically at home, took the day off, having a miscarriage, I received a notification that I had been accepted into a once in a lifetime opportunity with the American Association of Nurse Practitioners to do a month long health policy fellowship out in DC. And they had changed the dates and the timings and the availability of that so many times that the fact that this landed on that date, I was like, okay. And when I was out in DC for the month, that was our baby's due date for that miscarriage. And so I was like, oh, that's interesting. And I kind of had been aware of signs and numbers and dates and kind of at that time in my life was really open after that miscarriage to feathers and um, you know, pennies and things like that. And I had seen so much of that through our infertility journey that I was like, okay, what is all of this? That's kind of where I learned more about that whole side of thing. And it helped me grieve and helped me process everything we were going through. And we did have an embryo. We transferred two embryos, that embryo, uh, one made it, one did not. So I really dealt with grief during that time too. Um, Failed treatment with infertility is something that's really hard too for women and couples. It's a loss and it's a different level loss because some may have physical symptoms, some may not, but it's a hope. It's a dream. It's a desire that's completely taken away from you. You're completely out of control. Um, and some, I, I would say that, I mean, I knew the gender of our embryo didn't make it. It was a baby girl. And so I had this connection to that and I had things bought for her. And so there was so much that had happened that it really gave me something, seeing these feathers and signs and numbers and correlations of dates and just other things that kind of happened was really healing for me during that time. And so fast forward, I then did initiate um, legislation in, in 2019 in the state of North Dakota to help uh, bring insurance coverage as a mandate here. And it's something I work on to this day. And then it was about two years ago, I saw this need through um, my nonprofit. So shortly after that legislation was initially introduced in 2019, I started the first and only nonprofit in North Dakota and South Dakota for those going through infertility because there was no support. I literally just wanted to go have coffee with somebody who understood what I was going through and there was zero resources. And so Fast forward even more, I was like, oh my gosh, as a medical provider going through infertility, I saw so many gaps and so many missing links and started my own fertility coaching business. I also have a women's telemedicine soon to be um, clinic as well, have my own clinic in person and be able to offer um, services in both settings. But as females, I just feel the healthcare sometimes is just really missing. There, there's so many gaps in general. Things are overlooked far too often or disregarded uh, with miscarriage and hormones and fertility and just things like that. So everything that I've kind of went through, I'm like, how can I turn this into helping others? And so what I learned through all of that was how little control we sometimes have but what can we take control of and what, what am I actually in control of and how can I take care of myself? Because I used to always tell uh, other couples and women what you learn with um, mental health and tools and guidance and resources when you go through infertility, 
will help you later on in life because things will continue to happen outside of fertility, outside of treatment. And you're going to have to learn as a couple how to kind of get through these hard times and navigate because you'll likely have other hard times in your life. Well, little did I know what that actually meant for myself. Um, I worked as a frontline healthcare provider during the entire pandemic and really did well with that in the sense of, of dealing with it and, you know, um, getting through and working in a really rural community with little resources, having a hard time getting patients out and transferred. And what are we going to do if this scenario happens? And it is my hometown and I've done a lot for them as, um, I've helped like start their foundation and I've gotten grants for them. And I was the provider who took three to five students a year to try to encourage them to come back to the rural settings and underserved communities and inner cities and just really try to open their eyes to this side of healthcare. And I had started this business and my coaching business, which is nation and worldwide essentially. And I was ready to move more into that. And so I was ready to cut back my hours there. And I said, can I go part-time? Is that, you know, is that a possibility to cut back part-time? And what I was met with uh, after they had discussed it was, we're actually going to cut you to help out. We'll call you when we need you. Um, you'll be as needed from here on out. And I was, I was just like, it was so traumatic. I was like, wait a minute. Like, did I just, what just happened? Like they were, they couldn't give me a why they said due to budget cuts and COVID we have to cut a provider. And since you asked to go part-time um, I felt I had been betrayed by my own hometown, by members of my community who I've known my entire life. I've had personal connections to every single one of the board members um, this, the staff involved in this decision. And it just, it made no sense. So here is another time in my life that just made no sense. And what I found was myself going back to the self-care tools, such as um, mindset affirmations. I'm a huge, I had really turned to affirmations during IVF. It wasn't until IVF that I discovered affirmations and meditation and um, different self-care things that I can implement instantly when I'm having this what the heck moment. And so I found a month later, I had, um, I would say, let's just go six to eight weeks. I had completely shifted my mindset to what if this is happening for me? What if this is the universe, God, I refer to God as, as the divine and, and the, you know, navigator of my whole ship. But like, what if he was like, Tara, you've been humming and hawing about this for like, <laughs> you've had this business almost one year up in place and it's really your passion. It's what you're supposed to be doing. And you're not, you're, you're scared to take the full entrepreneur ripcord. People like people or entrepreneurs leave their six-figure jobs and don't even think about it to go pursue their dreams. And here I am going, like, what happens if, if, what, if, what if? And I think part of that too is in the medical field, you don't really learn much about business and entrepreneurship is definitely not at all spoke about. And so I had taken that whole summer to grow my business. I found joy in the little things that I had not done before. 
I was able to take my son to the zoo and just do more things with him. I was able to be a more attentive mother. I didn't realize how bad I had kind of been with my mind when I was around him. My mind was always elsewhere, whether it was in my business or whether I was on call for the ER. It just, I didn't realize how bad that was until I stepped into not having to deal with some of that. It was a really hard time for my husband at the time and I, he did not understand. He had thought I had done something. Why, what did you say? What did you do? Blaming me. Um, I was, I had never had a panic attack until, um, him and I were in conversation and I felt somewhat attacked by him about losing my job. Like, why can't you just work this job and be happy? Why can't you just work nine to five and be happy? I'm like, I've never been that person. Um, in high school, I was active. I was involved. I was a leader of this. I've always been in this go-getter mentality that I, you know, he don't understand why I have to have this nonprofit. There were just things he didn't understand. That's fine, right? Like that's not him and his personality, but I had had a full-on panic attack for the first time after that job loss. And I remember like, what just happened? Like, I have no support from though, you know, someone that's super close to me that I love. And about, right. So that's number two situation that happened six months later, almost to the date I had laid our son down for a nap. It was a Sunday after Sunday of Thanksgiving. And I came out of his room and he's like, do you have time to talk? And I said, yeah, what's up? And he's like, I'm done. And I was like, you're done with what? And he's like, this, us. And I said, what? What are you talking about? He's like, I want a divorce. And I was like, I instantly said, I'm like, who is she? Right? Because that makes sense. Like, there's clearly somebody else. There's clearly something going on. And there wasn't. And not that that makes divorce easier, harder, whichever way. Divorce is divorce. But I was then met with this complete uprooting of, of my life. And I would, I would be lying if I said there wasn't issues, but what marriage doesn't have issues? We had never sat down and talked about the word divorce. We had done couples counseling. We had done the things. There is no other female involved, um, you know? And so like, what just happened? There was once again, zero explanation because my, my infertility diagnosis originally was unexplained, right? Oh, really? You can't give me an answer of what the heck's going on here. Eventually I switched providers, got endometriosis. I lose my job and my small rural community makes no sense. There's no explanation other than COVID cuts, which there's a lot internally that I question about that, but that's what the answer I received for that. And now I lose my marriage six months later, completely unexpected no answer. And I'm just like, okay, tapping into those resources again. Like what if, like what if, at the time I was working on mud blocks, ironically, I two weeks prior had really dove into um, money blocks. I was really focusing on, you know, growing my business once again. And I'll never forget one of my friends saying, what if, he was a money block. You know, and I was like, okay, that's like, makes this a little bit, he, he totally had fear. 
we, he saved, save, save. I always called it his moldy money. You know, he didn't want to do anything. We didn't have a lot in common. I love traveling. That was a waste of money for him. Everything, all, every talk we ever had about anything typically involved money. Um, and we were really good financially. And, um, you know, we, we did a lot of things. People are a, we were pretty much debt free. We were for the most part debt free, which many people in their thirties can't say that. And so we took a lot of pride in that. We had worked hard together on that goal, but ironically, um, I had been a full, I had just gotten into the swing of being a full-time entrepreneur and it was feeling so good. And then this happened and I, my cushion fund, as I call it, was about to be ripped away from underneath me. We had, we had, ironically, we agreed on everything. I let him even um, live with me for four weeks after the divorce because of where we're at. There's no, there was no place to rent. And I instantly was able to flip my mind over to what is best for Hayden. And that is something I've become so passionate about when I see friends and other people go through divorce and you have children. One of the hardest things that you're going to have to do in that moment is take you out of it and him or her out of it. And that focus a hundred percent has to be on what is always best for that child. And that could be a whole topic in itself, but it's when you are in a place, I, I had worked really hard to love me, to take care of me physically, mentally, spiritually from infertility, from losing my job that when this hit me, let me tell you, I was shook, but I was able to make decisions that needed to be made urgently with a clear mindset. I was able to tap into the divine and God and really focus on listening and moving forward with decisions that were not so harsh, we'll say at the time. Um, but I had to step back into a job, um, the hospital setting, the ER setting, um, an opportunity presented that I had turned down three times. This other facility about 30 miles away from where I live had been after me after my initial job change situation. I said, nope, I did not go through all of this to go back to work for somebody else. Again, I'm going to put my head down and work hard and become a full-time entrepreneur. And they had no clue what was going on in my personal life. The individual had backed out on them uh, that was supposed to fulfill an eight-month contract. And I, uh, they had called me again the week after the divorce. Um, and I said, well, there's been some life changes. Can you just email me the information? And at 11.11, I received the email. And I remember like, I literally had a meltdown, like near panic attack again, crying. I felt like I was being punished. I was like, I'm supposed to be a full-time entrepreneur. Am I not? I thought that's what my lesson was six months ago. And I was like, what is happening right now? And I was like, I cannot even deny the 11-11. Like, I cannot overlook that as a sign that I need to move into this and fulfill this role that's being placed in front of me and trust that my business will still grow even though I'm serving some other organization. And I always looked at it as serving. Um, you know, I, I'm doing what's being presented. It's not ideal. I'm not being punished. And so um, another ironic thing that happened was 
a month after our divorce was finalized, my business doubled and it hasn't slowed down since. I have fulfilled more things on my vision board that were completely, I put them on there because I was like, there's no way he's ever going to do this with me, but I want this, right? So I'm going to put these things on my vision board and I'm going to learn to surrender. And after the job loss, the surrender part became a little bit easier because I was able to think clear and learn how to be happy, learn how to be content with the now and kind of work towards that feeling of letting everything else flow around you and not gripping so tightly onto why, 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 why. So the divorce happens and I'm once again met with why. And I'm like, I had, I had to surrender. I just simply had to surrender and focus on my well-being, my son's well-being. And so there was just so many things that just kind of took place in such a short amount of time. And there was signs and I grew through them all. I was able to grow as an individual and still work and move towards my own personal goals, even in hard, very, very hard times. And I just think there's so much there that gets clouded and can be clouded and everyone has something everybody is going through something I try to never compare I think it's so hard when you start comparing your situation or your hurt to somebody else that my message of all of this first half of my story is to never compare to have empathy to know that there are going to be hard times in our life and to try not worry about the stigma and all of that, that kind of can come with it too, but to always be doing something to take care of you as an individual and to always love you. Situations, people, things do not define you. Oh my gosh. So much there. I think that you're spot on with the whole, like I was thinking as you were talking about getting into self-care at the beginning and like taking care of yourself and doing that throughout the process that like looking back now with the big picture, do you feel like everything happened for you instead of happening yes. to you? Yes. Because hundred percent. Yeah. I, I just like in my life too, I feel like there's things that happen and it's like, this is terrible. This is negative. It's horrible. But then somewhere down the road, you see that it was all meant to happen that way. And it ended up happening for a reason and for a purpose. And that's what I loved about your story, because you're going through all of these things that a lot of people go through. Like a lot of people are going through divorce and infertility. And I think that you hit the nail on the head when you said like you felt alone and there's not a lot of support. And I feel that way too. Like I went through that and even just, even just having a a baby, like there's so much there that fucks us up, that gets in our head, that like can cause a lot of really hard things. And we just suffer in silence and there's not a lot of people talking about it or offering support. And that's why I love this business that you're offering. And I can't help, but think that all of these things kind of contributed to this bigger purpose where like you were meant to be the one to offer this to everyone else, to speak up and to have a voice for everyone that feels like they are suffering alone. 
So I think it led you on a really interesting path, but what specifically, like, so if someone out there is listening right now and they're going through any one of those things and just feel like they're thrown in chaos and don't know like where to even start. Is there something specific that you would recommend? Just like one thing to, to get them going in the right direction. So the first step that uh, as you're talking, I'm just like, they have to stop asking why we'll never know the why. And I used to tell myself even during infertility, why, why? Okay. It's a nonprofit, right? I was meant to start this nonprofit. I was meant to do this business. Okay. Why the job? The whys just don't matter. We may, you might get a why for something, but you may not. And so it's taking steps every day. What can you do to stay healthy mentally, physically, emotionally? And that might look different for everybody else. For me too, some days it was my Peloton. Some days it might be my morning walks, listening to a podcast. So, and it might be driving. I had to drive a lot for my um, my job that I picked up. I my counselor said, Terry, you're going to look at it as eight months of listening to podcasts for 30 minutes in the morning. You're going to go for a walk at lunchtime because you no longer can go home and do laundry like you used to do. And you're going to get through this. And so it was little things like a little 15 or 20 minute walk outside. It was meditations at night. It was um, hypnosis got me through my divorce. And I can hundred percent I love my counselor and she set me free after four sessions and she's like, and I love counseling. I'm a huge mental health advocate. So whatever you, you have to find a counselor or a therapist who you connect with. I usually tell my patients about two visits, maybe three. And if you're not connecting, you got to find a new one. So taking care of your mental health, that's kind of the one thing that all of these have in common is our mental health can go backwards so quickly. And so taking care of my mental health, it, it was not one thing. It was a counselor. It was hypnosis. It was meditation. It was morning walks. It was exercise. It was nutrition. It was supplements. It was so many different things. And it is now in the last, I'll say four months, subliminals have become part of it too. But it's like, what, what, do, what can you do? Stop the why. Stop, 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 stop the why. Little steps every day to improve and love yourself, take care of yourself. And that's going to look different for everybody. And there's not a single right way. Cause if someone told me that I had to do Zumba or bar class, I'm sorry, that would not be the answer for, for my self-care. And so not to, not to compare once again, and not to, not to be so hard on yourself. If you're not getting your eight cups of water in today, do it tomorrow. You know, you're not going to get these things right every day. You're going to have really hard days. There's going to be really, really, really hard days. But if you have a support person and system and tools in place that you know how to handle those hard days, and they're going to pass, they're going to pass like a kidney stone, I always say, but they will pass and you will come out stronger with a whole new perspective and vision on yourself and the things you can do and the way you can overcome some things in life when they happen around you. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you said something earlier that I was like, it really just hit me because I was completely went through the same thing when you said, 
that you didn't even realize how you were being with your son because you were so busy and your mind was elsewhere. And I, I think pretty much everyone could probably relate to that because we are in an environment a lot of times with our jobs where we do have so much stress and pressure that it's hard to not take that home and to actually be mindful. But I think that as you stop looking externally and you start going inward and just asking yourself, how do I feel? What do I need right now in this moment? You get the answer. Like, I think the answer is always there. We just have learned to tune it out. And so how does that all tie in from a medical perspective with your intuition? Because I know as a society, we're taught to kind of tune it out and look externally, but I think medically too, a little bit, right? Absolutely. So part of what I do in my coaching business, not so much the medical telemedicine side, is I really teach women and couples how to be more vocal. I try to empower them to advocate for their health care because in healthcare in general, so not just the fertility space, it is a very intimidating place, whether it's the smells, the sights, the, the environment around you, there's just so much that's kind of out of your control and it's scary and, and all the things. So a lot of what I do is try to empower them to listen to their intuition. We, you said it, we all have, it. we may not know what exactly it, it it's called intuition. We just have a gut feeling and knowing a sense that this doesn't seem right. Why did they say that? Well, why not this? What about this? You have this internal dialogue. You could look at it. If you ever hear an internal dialogue going on when you're in a, the medical setting and something just quote, doesn't feel right to you, that's your in intuition speaking. And it gets very suppressed because you have a doctor, you know, or a healthcare provider who knows more than you. Um, so you think, you know, sitting in front of you, but really number one rule, you know, your body better than anybody else. So there's, I also encourage a lot of patients if they are met with resistance over and over again, or something doesn't feel right, even after one visit with a healthcare provider, they seek a second opinion. I find patients uh, feeling very married, I call it, to their healthcare pro provider. And what I try to explain to them is create a healthcare team. You don't, one person should never make up your healthcare team in any setting. We need to have multiple people involved in taking care of you. And so I try to help them understand that you can always go back to that first person too. There is nothing wrong. And in fact, more people should be doing it in all areas of health is seeking a second opinion if something doesn't feel right. If that's not the road you want to take to your, your ailment, we'll call it, go seeking a second opinion, especially before moving forward with it, because that is once again, likely your intuition, almost always firing and telling you no, no, no. And it's so easy to get clouded and fogged because of so many reasons, you know, um, sometimes it's even comments that your healthcare providers making towards you and you're, you're being shut down. They, I've heard some awful things come out of, of providers mouth that, you know, that my patients are met with that. It's just, it, it's really disappointing. 
and it's it's then I have I have work with them to build them up again because they're gonna keep walking into the same setting and letting things happen over and over and over again that are not that is not right for them. It is not right for them and their body. Yeah. No, that's such a good point. And I I was in, you know, pharmaceutical sales for so long. And I remember before going into that, I always thought like, well, the doctor knows best. Like, I just need to keep my mouth shut. And then after talking with so many of them every day, I was like, no, you need to be in charge of your healthcare. Like you really do need to be an advocate for yourself. And just like you said, if something doesn't feel right, trust that because not every provider is going to be the same and give you the same answer and how be as thorough. So it's really a good message. And just in general, like not even with healthcare, but just in life, like if you feel something isn't right, you have to trust that because as human beings, we're so limited to what our human senses can pick up and your subconscious takes in a lot more information than your conscious mind. So if something seems off, probably is. That's probably your subconscious trying to tell you your intuition, trying to tell you whatever you want to call it, that you need to pay attention and you need to move away or, or sometimes it's a good feeling that you need to gravitate towards that doesn't make sense logically that maybe everyone around you is telling you is not a good idea, but you have this inner knowing that you need to do it. So I love that you're helping people, you know, kind of pick up on that and just become acquainted with it. I think it's just starting to get used to it and paying attention to that feeling. And it really is that simple. It's just, we're so distracted all the time externally that we just don't even think to stop and ask ourselves, how do I feel about this? You know, and going inward. So I love that you said that. Do you have any um, specific tips that you would give for someone struggling with infertility, because, um, I know you and I have talked before, like I was there as well, felt completely, um, alone, felt like there was something wrong with me. There was a lot of, um, blaming internally that then shifted to judgment externally, judging people, you know, other people around me and having like envy and jealousy and all these all these horrible feelings that came along with that whole process. So what would you suggest for someone that's in that situation feeling alone? Yeah, you nailed it right there with those with those initial thoughts. So number one is create support. And that could be one person. Maybe it's somebody who you know has been through it before. Maybe it's somebody that's been there for you during other hard times in your life. Maybe you don't even talk to them that much anymore. That doesn't mean that they would not be a good support person for you. Um, for me, one of my biggest support people actually turned out to be like my sister's best friend because she had been going through it too. And so we always joke like her and I became really close uh, through our infertility journey and our two sisters have no clue. Like they're super great and they're supportive, but like her and I can connect on a different level. Um, I would definitely recommend you giving yourself permission to say no to things that might be saying no to the baby shower, say no to the birthday party, say no to the event where, you know, there's going to be like 800 screaming kids. And it's just going to be a situation that doesn't feel good to you before you go. 
it's okay to say no to not go to those things. And we get so caught up in our head, well, 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 you know, all this chitter chatter in our head about it. It's an event. Just say no to it. You do not need to attend. It is protecting you and your heart and your mind. And there'll be more, there'll be more times you can go to things like that. Um, that person should understand, you know, if you do choose to share with them. Um, I also recommend possibly considering some, you know, mental health, some therapy, some counseling, um, a coach. There's many different types of fertility coaches out there nowadays. We all do things a little bit differently. There is specific mindset ones. There's ones that do both. Um, like myself, I do mindset and understand that medical piece of it as well and can help walk beside. So it's really not being scared or hesitant to look into an, a support person like that even because we've been there. Um, you should find a coach who has been through it and does understand that side of it too. And then of course, second opinions. People don't understand that Healthcare in general, not every two neurologists are the same. Not every two cardiologists are the same, even if they're in the same clinic. Um, not every clinic is the same. And the same goes for reproductive health. There is so much we don't know, and there's so much changing. And some providers and some clinics don't stay up with it. They're not up on the on certain things that are happening, or they're not willing to try some perhaps different things that others are doing. And so it's really if that does not feel like the right treatment or the right clinic or your yeah, bedside manner is important to you and that's been overlooked, get that second opinion. Straight up ask, what will they do differently? And that's in general too. What are you going to do differently about my healthcare, about this situation, about my protocol for treatment than this person is doing? Because it's not working. So what are we going to do differently here? And that should always be changing. If someone's not changing something for you, then that's another red flag. And so- Another thing I want people to do is to acknowledge that what they're going through is in fact a disease, but it's also hard and it's valid because there's a lot happening and a lot of comments that often we're met with within fertility that make us feel like this isn't that big of a deal. Well, at least not this. Well, at least I'm not dying of cancer. I mean, you can't even compare the two things. They just simply are not the same. And I use that example. My dad did have cancer. I'm not going to compare my infertility journey to his cancer journey. Like they're just quite simply, we're two different people and they're two different journeys. How, what would be hard to you is not going to be hard to somebody else. It doesn't make it less important, less valid, less anything. It's very real when we go through hard times in life. And I think we need to just acknowledge that and give ourselves some grace and just do things to take care of ourselves in those hard times and not put other people before us so often. I love that. And I think for the other people too, for the people that aren't going through infertility or didn't have a miscarriage or aren't pregnant or just had a baby, I really feel like the best thing you can do is just ask, like, how are you? Like, I remember when I was suffering with like postpartum depression and it was just like, I was in a really bad spot and, um, some woman, like everyone, you know, always wants to come and see the baby. And some woman came up and she put her hand on my shoulder and she said, how are you? And I just started like bawling. Cause I was like, no one's asked me that. Like I'm a shit show. I'm horrible. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and so it's like, you know, that's what we could do to help. It's just that simple question. Like, how are you? And just, you know, that's how you can be supportive. Like you don't have to 
to do all these different things. You can just simply like ask the person how they're doing and listen, like shut your mouth and listen. And that can be really helpful. But also, like you said, finding other people that are going what you're, what going through what you're going through. So can you let everyone know where to find you online so people can connect and um, reach out and you have a lot of great information on your page as well. So can you share that? Yeah, you can find me at Tara B fertility. That's my Instagram handle, my website. Um, I do a podcast as well called hopeful hints and infertility podcast. And I try to make them super quick educational moments, um, on a variety of different things. Occasionally have some guests on there too, sharing some things in the fertility space, but to really just know that my inbox is always open. If you just need somebody to say, Hey, Hey, I I am here for you. I don't have to live in your same town. Um, in fact, I connected, that's where I became very active on Instagram was when I was going through treatment. I used hashtags to find someone who was going to my second clinic that I had just switched to. And we connected um, through our entire journey and beyond. And there's a whole uh, community over on Instagram, especially um, to a TikTok. I've started doing some TikToks on all the topics, all the things over there too. But um, there's just a lot of people virtually there for you. Um, you don't, don't think it has to be someone maybe right next door to you too, that can provide that lump of support for you. It can be virtual as well. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. No one has to go through it alone. And that's a, it's a good starting point too. It's free. Just go on Instagram and start searching and, and reach out, send someone a message in your town or even just virtually. Like, I feel like most of my friends now are virtually that don't live anywhere near me. So we have that option and, um, you know, it's, it's available so that you have that support of people that like truly know what you're going through. So Tara, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and you're going to be doing a workshop in the app coming up. So I'm really excited about that. And I will link everything up in the show notes and, um, thanks a lot for all your insights. Thanks for having me. If you got something out of this podcast, then pay it forward by sharing it with a friend. This is the best way that you can support the podcast and spread good vibes. And if you're left thinking that you want more, you want to keep listening, then download the Manifest It Now app and subscribe so you can become a member of the Inner Tribe where we meet on Zoom twice a week and you have live workshops every other week by guest experts and you get to meet with a high vibe community and keep the conversation going. Thanks so much for tuning in and I'll see you back here next time.